hello, and welcome to the first ever episode of Lesbians Are Miracles. Um, I'm your host, Jill. And I'm your other host, Leah. And we are so happy to be here with, hopefully, all of you who are listening eventually, if not right now. Like, hi, all six of my lesbian friends. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much for tuning in. Lesbian friends and other friends, just any dear friends or family that we have. Thank you for listening to us in addition to, like, when we already talk about gay shit with you all the time. (laughs) Totally. So we appreciate you being here. We're certainly very happy to be here. Um, Jill and I, to give you a little bit of backstory, have been talking about doing a podcast for a while, um, inspired by so many different things, but really the absence, I think, of lesbian and even sort of queer-related podcasts out there. Um, And in this podcast, Jill, why don't you talk a little bit about what we will be hoping to cover and talk about. So every episode, we're going to pick a topic, um, usually a topic that uh, is relatable to lesbians, queer people, dykes, and we're going to pick it apart. Oh, pick it apart. Pick it apart. We're not going to do that. We could pick it apart. (laughs) No, instead we're going to be picking it apart, as only a dyke knows how to do with uh, our wonderful processing superpowers i know that's a stereotype but whatever. and probably I like, like a lot of beer too yeah also that particular to day-to-day dyke existence in new york um and other places um so anyway in this first episode we thought it would make sense to talk about origin stories and this is sort of a topic that jill and i were kicking around and jill actually brought it up as origin stories um as a queer person as being different a little bit, well, not a little bit, like significantly different from what a coming out story is. So why don't you talk about what you think of an origin story to be? Well, I think it's a common thing for for any queer person to have their coming out story. And origin stories aren't talked about as much, but I think they're also unique to the queer experience. There aren't that many straight people that are like going back and mining their past to be like, this is the moment when I realize... This is how I am. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But queer people, it's part of this narrative where after you come out, then you go back and look at little, little red flags, as it were, rainbow flags even, that were waving through your childhood as you're becoming yourself. So an origin story for me is about the journey and it's about what be- what comes before the coming out. It's about it's about becoming. Like little moments of self-realization almost. Yeah, whether it be like media, I know a lot of us can point back to people like first crushes or, or just strange fascinations with yes. with women and lesbians even even real life lesbians if you just see, like seeing some beautiful butch walking down the sidewalk and right. being in, in, incredibly fascinated like by Like my them. gym teacher, which is such a trope <laughs> and a stereotype, and I don't mean to like perpetuate that here, but my gym teacher, Ms. M, <laughs> um, who always wore matching windbreaker suits, I was fascinated <laughs> by her. She had like a red mullet. It was 1991, <laughs> and her Reeboks were so fresh and like the whitest of white. Um, oh. And she was, in retrospect, obviously, like well I don't I don't want to identify for her but if I were to categorize her I would call her a huge dyke and you know she, she existed in this world and like in such a I don't mean to like pigeonhole did, it would be Ms. M with her matching dyke. windbreaker and red mullet but Ooh. if I had to you know put some adjectives towards that I would say like gay leaning to say the least Anyway, I was fascinated with her and how she existed in the world. And I just remember being like a really little kid and sitting on the sidelines of gym class and 
beholding Ms. M. <laughs> um, you know, and it never, I don't know, I guess it was just like a real initial like fascination and maybe like early point of identification, though then I didn't know what the fuck was going on. Like I could, I had just learned to pee in a toilet pretty much. <laughs> yeah. And that's the point of an origin story because you can like look back and think, oh, Ms. M with that red mullet, like why was I so obsessed with her? And then you're like, ah, of course. It's, it's like a gay aha moment. Totally. Really. And these, like, sort of small-town icons, you know, I think, Mm -hmm. as a gay person, or as anybody who sort of doesn't fit the traditional narrative of, like, who you're supposed to be and how you're supposed to act and who you're supposed to date will always have these people that they look to and sort of, I don't know, I think the adherence that forms, whether it's real or imaginative, is that much stronger because you sort of... I don't know, you're looking for points of identification. And if you find one in a really small town, even if it is Miss M from gym class, like she kind of becomes a hero in your world, you Absolutely. know? Absolutely, yeah. And and a lot of us eat, really look to media, uh, whether it be music or, or movies or television shows. And those are the things that we identify with really early on, which is one, why white representation is really important, but... For me, I used to always say my, my first crush was Uncle Jesse on Full House. And it's like, oh, well, that's that's not gay. No, it absolutely is because it wasn't... Um, he was such like a leather dyke. It was like, that's the thing. I wanted to be him. It yes. wasn't, it wasn't like, oh, was I want to marry him. Like, I, yeah, 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 exactly. I, I, will you define that term, please, for our listeners? Uh, okay. So the term, the way I use FUBU, I know it's different probably than for us by us. Right. Of um, but it's, I don't know if I want to fuck you or be you. The eternal dyke question. The eternal um, broiling existential <laughs> conundrum. Yeah, so I had hardcore dyke fubu with Uncle Jesse and I realized <laughs> and like, his motorcycle. And, and to this day I think he like he's like my style icon, my my style dicon if you will. I like really emulate him down to like the the wallet chain and like the like the tight black black jeans and leather jacket. <laughs> like that's my look and I took it from Uncle Jesse and thank you Uncle Jesse. Minus the like the mullet he had in the first season. Yeah, I'm but Stephanie he could still pull it off. off. He was like 24 years old and he's so like, I don't know. What is the, I don't know these like words that like describe testosterone in a positive way, but like whatever <laughs> that is. That's what he was. And we were talking the other day about how I had, like, not even a FUBU crush on Aunt Becky, but just a burning, raging crush on Aunt Becky. I loved everything about her. I wanted to, like, be in the same room as her all the time, even if that only meant, you know, watching her through my television. I was obsessed with Aunt Becky. But the story I don't tell people about my full house crush, um, that's sort of the cover story, <laughs> the real one is, and this is my actual origin story, the first time I really knew I was gay and like what that meant to me in my world was when I was watching Full House in my grandparents' basement and both of my parents were at work. My dad was a journalist and my mom was a waitress. So they worked the second shift. and she I was, was working as a waitress in a cocktail bar. Yeah, pretty much. That much is true. That much is true, <laughs> yes. <laughs> this much is also true. Um, so I'm sitting next to my grandpa watching Full House and it's the episode where Kimmy gets drunk and like DJ is trying to conceal her from Danny and like she like shepherds Kimmy into her room and then somebody comes in and Kimmy is like causing a scene under the covers and like DJ is trying to smooth it out I had like this in the interest of being completely forthcoming like 
popped a boner for Kimmy Gibbler for the first time in my life. And as I've told you before, I've written about this in my master's thesis. So this is like a documented occasion. Wait, you wrote occasion. about Kimmy Gibbler in your master's yes, thesis? Yes, I did. It's like, I think it's like published in the Hunter College Library, like this <laughs> section of my life. Forever oh, documented. Fantastic. You know I'm going to look that up. Well, it cost me a lot of money. So like, I actually hope that you do. <laughs> um, but anyway, like that happened. And then after that, or that sort of like the story that I've pieced together, it's like that's when I first knew I was gay and what that meant and that I had like an actual physical reaction to a woman. Um, and it was like, I hate I hate to put it this way now, but it was like a burden I shouldered. I thought of it as a burden and it was something like I carried with me for a really long time. And I was like 11 years old when that happened. Wow. But Kimmy Gibbler was like my first. I also used to be obsessed with Agent 99 from Get Smart. Like I was watching Nick at Night when I was six and fucking loved Agent 99 um, and like told my parents I wanted to meet her. She was like, I don't know, 75, if not dead at that time. I should have done the research in advance. <laughs> oh, man. I, I was really into the band. Well, I was really into the band Nirvana. They were incredibly important to my formative years in so, so many ways. And that got me into Hole, obviously, because Courtney Love was in, in Hole and... I found myself really fascinated with the drummer of Hole, and I don't know why, or I didn't know why at the time. I just like thought she was really cool, and she made me want to play the drums. But my mom was like, "Hell no!" Oh my god, you <laughs> would like, have looked so good playing the drums, I and know, still I really would. That'd be a really good look for you. Uh, maybe I'll take lessons. <laughs> I, you could, yeah, I bet you could. Yeah, I got a guitar instead, but I was obsessed with the drummer, and just always like for some reason, couldn't take my eyes off her. For some reason. Yeah. Well, the, the funniest part, though, is that I, I was reading a magazine article, like, a year or two into my whole obsession and, and uh, obsession with the drummer, her name, Patty Schemmel, I think her last name is. Um, yes. And I read in the article, it, like, made reference to her girlfriend. And I was so, so, so just deep into repression that I, you know, I, I was a total, like, baby dyke, but I did not have the capacity to even recognize it. No doubt. And I just remember reading this passage in this magazine where it's just like her girlfriend and I was like a flutter. Like it was like this like, <laughs> I just remember this feeling rushing into me and it was like really exciting. Like it was scary, but I, but the like. The gay spirit was like, taking yeah, you, taking yeah, over like, you. Like the visceral feeling that I, like before my brain caught up. Uh-huh. Like just like the nerve, the central oh nervous God, system feeling. That's how I used to feel like about so, Miss Fredericks. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> my middle school like drama teacher. Sorry, go on. It was just really like exciting and exhilarating more than anything. And then my brain caught up and it was just like, no, 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 no. We're going to. Shut this that the fuck down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can't hear you. I can't hear you. No, 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 no. But it, it's, it, I wonder, like, and I wonder if other, other dykes can relate because it, it's one of those things where, like, why was I so drawn to her? Like, it's like my, it was it like this internal gator? I mean, I know gator is not yeah, a thing, probably. whatever. But, like, how did I, as, like, a 13-year-old who really didn't know anything about queer culture as it were? I mean, I was exploring that because, again, I was, like, I was really obsessed with Nirvana and that got me into punk rock and that got me into Riot Girl and a lot of that is very queer adjacent, especially in the nineties. Mm-hmm. For I mean the nine I mean the nineties it's kind of queer adjacent, like in and of itself. Yeah, it, yeah, like the, 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 the gay nineties. Um God bless. <laughs> but 
I, I like, how did I know? And, and, and I think... Well, like, did you know? Were you conscious of it? Because this is something I talk about with a lot of other queer people and, like, you know, any kind of a queer person or any kind of a queer person. But you know <laughs> what I mean. Like, people who, like, identify as other in some capacity. It's like, I knew, like, definitively when I was young that I was gay and what it meant and I've talked to other queer people who like had a vague notion that like something was off or there would like they would date members of the opposite sex and like never really like feel it but never know why and then like slowly <laughs> as they nice yeah to meet you. <laughs> right exactly like slowly as they got older came into a realization of like what that meant or like you know what that had to mean given in the time that we're living now and you know the language that we have to talk about it I mean it can always figure any kind of a different way, but it's interesting to like know early on and then like really like carry a stigma and or like to sort of come into it like a bit more slowly, I guess. Yeah. You know? I think I've told you I always knew I was queer before I knew I was gay. And yeah. I didn't have the word queer back then. Um, sure. But I I was a huge tomboy. Um I, I was misgendered quite often. Like I I, I you know, great at sports, all the, all the stereotypes, like boy things, you know, thought girls were boring and stupid. And that was a lot of internalized misogyny. Also. Totally, yeah. Um, then I came around. And like, again, then thank, I came around. Actually, thank God for Nirvana. Got right after the right girl and feminism. And I was like, oh, wait a minute. Women are fucking amazing. Um, but anyway, so I, I, stuck, I stuck out like a sore thumb in my very, very small elementary school. Mm-hmm. I, I, I didn't fit in with the boys because I was a little too much of a girl for the boys but I did not fit in with the girls at all because I was way too much of a boy for them. Yeah. So I was just in this weird space and I knew like not all the heteronormative tropes of marriage and, and children, it, I, I would try to put them on and imagine it and it just didn't make sense. And all the things that were that expected I of me too. As, as, a, as a woman or as a girl, everything that was expected of me of a girl felt deeply, deeply wrong. Yes. And, and it had nothing to do with being attracted to women. It was just, I just, I, I knew I was, I was queer. And yeah. then being attracted to women on top of that later on, it's like, oh, like, I'm gay. So it, it's interesting looking back because a lot of my origin story, I mean, a lot of it does have to do with like red flags about like girls and crushes. But I, I think part of that is because I, 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 I suppressed that, those feelings, but I did not suppress like weird, like, like, I guess I wasn't. I don't know. I don't know the term because I, I. I guess I wasn't gender normative, if it right. were. Yeah. I mean, I. I. But I. I still. I, I. I knew I wasn't, and I didn't want to be. And it was one of those things where it's like it felt inc- deeply ingrained in my DNA. Like there's, I never, ever, ever could have or would have been like a norm, a normal. That's definitely the wrong word. A typical. Sure. Like what's typically expected of girls growing up. That yes. There was just no way. I, if I if I tried, I, it wouldn't have worked. And I didn't even want to try. I was like, For sure. Fuck that. Yeah. I like, I kind of never felt uncomfortable. And I think even now being kind of a, a feminine, like leaning person. And, you know, I like try to present as butch and you know will like <laughs> put on a hat totally and like go out like to my friends and be like don't I look like such a fucking butch and they'll be like girl no you have a hat on like, like relax oh, yeah I'm like, exactly I'm, like, I'm very proud of you it's great but when I cut my hair like whatever 
no matter whether or not I look like a butch, I mean, sometimes people can feel more butch and sometimes people can feel more femme and anybody can on any given day. But I think for me, what was important was presenting as a lesbian. But what I was going to say um, was that, like, I always sort of never felt, like, uncomfortable in my gender necessarily when I was growing up. And, like, maybe a lot of that was the conditioning. And, well, conditioning can only go so far. But I had a twin brother, and, like, I was the girl, and he was the boy. And, like, we grew up, like, wearing pink and blue and shit like that. Um, Yeah, like, you were, like, born into a binary. I was born into a binary, (laughs) a thousand fucking percent. So that was going on. But, like, when I was in college and even when I was in high school, I would, like be smoking weed with my roommates or whoever the fuck I was hanging out with. Imagine. Um, and yeah, like getting high. I did high. not know this about oh, you. Oh, well, we're just like revealing yeah, all the secrets tonight. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Spilling the motherfucking tea. I smoked weed and we would be watching shit like Say Yes to the Dress and you know when you're like in a bad place mentally and like you have a lot of like shit you're not processing and like really trying to if throw I'm on that back burner. Say Yes to the Dress, I'm definitely already in a bad place. Well, mentally. yeah, exactly. That's also what I'm saying but like weed can like just exacerbate that and I wasn't in a good place to be like fucking with my mindset and yet here I was doing it because I like was essentially obsessed with the fact that I was gay and like not telling anyone and like shouldering this increasingly heavier burden anyway I got high I got really fucking paranoid and I would watch say yes to the dress and just be like have these like interior meltdowns about like how that was never going to be my life and how disappointed my mom was going to be and of course oh, no. she wasn't well not of course I'm very lucky that she wasn't like knowing but, like, your mom yeah of course. oh yeah. right knowing my mom of course but like while my roommates were like you know like drinking like Smirnoff and Kool-Aid and eating easy fucking Mac I was like having like <laughs> these insane I don't know like cool. anxiety spirals in my <laughs> My head. So, like, that was also part of my origin story, too. Like, recognizing that, I don't know, maybe even irrespective of my sexuality, but it's also somehow linked to that. But, like, I was never going to be the girl who's, like, who thought about, like, the wedding or, like, whose goal it was to get married or, like, who even kind of factored that intentionally into her future. Like, I was thinking about other shit. I don't know. It was just a really moment, a, like a real moment of kind of like recognition and then like shock from that recognition. Like this isn't something that I want or like can feel comfortable being obsessed with. And like all of these people I know and love are like obsessed with this and like are playing into this narrative. And it was just such a weird moment of sort of, I don't know, like being at odds with that and the realization of it too. Yeah. What? <laughs> One of the things I, I really like about... Um considering an origin story is uh thinking about media that isn't gay but is gay you know like something that like speaks to every gay person but it's not explicitly gay like like movies and stuff like like um well I guess these are like bad examples because to me they speak like so closely to a gay person but like Judy Garland and Liza Minnelli (laughs) I mean that's a little on the nose but (laughs) no but yeah I I I mean I I think about like a league of their own like move like my favorite movies as a kid growing up were like a league of their own sister act and what did those movies have in common a shit ton of women a shit ton of women that are interacting with now a and shit then. ton of women, yeah, like like and not like fostering really, like, this guys. camaraderie, yeah, like all these oh my movies God. that like yes. pass the Bechdel test with flying colors, yes. sisterhood, honey, <laughs> like pure unadulterated, yeah, sisterhood. like I would watch Sister Act every single day when I got home from school, and I think it was like my Catholic upbringing with my like 
burgeoning dyke nature where it's just like <laughs> burgeoning dyke nature <laughs> bdn where i'm like oh my god like i should join a comment look at all these women that get to live with each other and sing well we can it's still great. do that oh but okay so backing up for just one second there wasn't any queer character in a league of their own well i guess no not like obviously queer no, I mean not, implicitly, but not I mean, explicitly. Like it took place during like World War Two, so so not like all be, like, of the women, that... they're like yeah, but like their husbands went away, right? And they were like fostering these like crazy. Oh, communities you know, anyway. Rosie the Riveter was not getting like, it on with oh, Rhonda yes, the Riveter. <laughs> Please, I love it. And then their husbands came back, and they're like, oh, I guess we have to stop like, having oh, orgasms well. again. It's basically that was like fun the while video lasted. for Jill Sobiel's <laughs> "I Kissed a Girl." <laughs> yeah, totally. Another movie I loved. Uh, was this movie Ladybugs with um, Jonathan Brandis. And it's actually really horrible when, like, the premise, because it's, like, the, Rodney Dangerfield is a soccer coach of an all-girls team, and they suck, and he, like, gets his, like, I think his girlfriend's son to, like, put on a wig and pretend to be a girl, and so, like, they win because there's a boy on the team wearing a wig. But anyway, so Jonathan Brandis in this yes, wig. Yes, they do. I had a major, <laughs> major crush on Jonathan Brandis. But only only in the way. Oh my wig. god, that's so and, like, fucking hot! Because there was like the hot girl on the team that he has a crush on, so he's like flirting with her while he's wearing the wig, and it was like doing things to me inside. I, I'm obsessed and, like, with that. I, I really would love to know. Like I I. I, I I don't know that many dykes that are aware of this movie. It wasn't super popular. I've never heard of it. It's actually hard. And I to I like to it. think I'm aware of like a lot of the dyke movies. But I think that that is like slash. Such... We're gonna have to have to have a dyke movie episode specifically of this podcast. Oh, absolutely. Because, because you know so I want to talk about though. Desert Hearts at yeah. length. Well, I think I think a really good topic for <laughs> for an episode is talking about how we will put up with such trash horrible shitty movies because it's like all we have like both of us have watched the l word 17 times that's definitely a topic for a different day yeah that's and a requires a lot of unpacking but i just want to jump back to um the idea of origin stories in these movies that we watched as part of our origin stories because we were talking about before how and now and then christina ricci's character when she was a little kid, there were all those scenes of her binding her breasts. And, like, I don't know if she had a crush on a girl or if that was ever implied. I would have to rewatch it. I'm not trying to put forth any false information, but I know she was binding her boobs. And, like, her mom had died and she grew up in a house of all brothers, which I think was Rosie O'Donnell's narrative. So, like, they were very much casting her as the lesbian character. L Rosie O'Donnell was the adult version of her, and then you said they, like, cut the lesbian parts out, yeah. the, like, overtly lesbian parts I, out. I, I believe I heard that Rosie O'Donnell's character was supposed to be a lesbian, and then it was, like, a little too much for, like, a family-friendly, like, girly coming-of-age movie uh -huh. in and the mid-90s. And when did that come out? I, yeah. I think, like, 94, maybe, um, 95. Yeah. And Thank you, Courtney. Our producer, Courtney, our lovely producer, Courtney Dudley, says it came out in 1995. <laughs> We're going to try and yell at her during this podcast because we think it'll make for better. Oh, right. I'm like, better television. Yeah, no, um. <laughs> <laughs> but, but yeah, this wonderful movie was could have been way more wonderful. Like, I'm just thinking I know. of, like, as a kid watching that. And, like, like, okay, they cast Rosie O'Donnell, like, 
of Jesus course Christ. Was but she was not. Movie. She was not out at no, that she time. Was not I out. remember watching the Rosie O'Donnell show, and again, like here's a dyke I was drawn to. My she mom would, would like, be making to have a dinner. Crush on Tom Cruise. Yes, I was just going to say that. She would pretend <laughs> to have a t- crush on Tom Cruise, and then she would like talk about him and press that button on her desk, and it would be like, "Tommy, can you hear me? Remember?" And I don't even know. Is that Abba? <laughs> I don't, I don't fucking know. It happened. Anybody can, like, confirm this information if they want to. And then Tom <laughs> Cruise came on her show, that piece of shit, and they were talking about the helicopter scene from Mission Impossible and how he was, like, dangling from the goddamn helicopter. And she said something about wanting to, like, be on a helicopter with him. And he was like, oh, I think they have a weight limit, so, like, you can't. What? And after that, her, like, false crush to Tom Cruise ended and was what? maybe his, like, first real assaholic instance on live television How did I miss but probably this? not it was like embedded in my psyche when i was like a little fucking kid i i'm i am appalled right yes now. i can't believe that's that. the I'm thing like... that actually happened i mean i wish i could say i was sorry <laughs> like, treasure up. and then everyone no breaking news tom cruise is a piece of, of shit yeah. yeah also that yes <laughs> she's like fuck this garbage. yeah exactly i'm not gonna have a crush on this weirdo But I was like, Mom, why does she actor? adopt all of her kids? And, like, this is not to say that, like, you have to be, like, only gay people adopt kids. Whatever. I, you know. But there were a bunch of, I guess, rainbow flags that made me drawn to Rosie O'Donnell in ways I could not understand at the time. I guess if I had been watching Ellen at the time, it would have been, like, ditto for that. But oh, yeah. That was a little, like... <laughs> Over my age range. Well, yeah, well, it's, it's funny you say that because one, one crucial and hilarious step in my origin is uh, I watched the coming out episode of Ellen. And that's the as only it was episode. like as it aired live. Yeah, that's, that's crazy. That's literally the only episode of that show I ever watched. But it was. Did I, you know in advance? Oh yeah, we all did. It was like it was like announced. Like she How had that Time I magazine. So many cover fucking questions where it was about like, this. Yep, I'm gay. Like before the episode came out or after the episode? As it came out, I don't remember. Okay. I'd have to. I'd have to look, look up dates. But um. But yeah, she like came out in real life and came out on the show at the same time. Right. She had the Time Magazine cover that said, yep, I'm gay. Yep. <laughs> yep. Yep. <laughs> like, literally, Jack and I will still make jokes about that. We're like, yep. Can we get shirts <laughs> that yep. say, yep, I'm gay? <laughs> oh, my God, yes, we need to. Yep. Uh, yep, <laughs> yep, <laughs> that's going to happen. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I was, I was a freshman in high school. It was 1997, and it had been announced everywhere because it was a big deal to come out as gay then. And still is now, but like really, of oh, course. Yeah. I yeah. mean, it was it was cover no, of but, Time magazine and especially, worthy. Yeah, for and, sure. Um, and like yep, lesbian visibility. Imagine that. <laughs> yeah. One and of, I had never watched that show. I did not give a shit about that show, but I, it was must-see TV for me. And I remember... Were you out at the time? Oh, no. I was like 15. You I was, were like, I was nope, like, I'm not gay. Yeah, I was like, <laughs> nope, I'm not gay. <laughs> nope, I'm straight. <laughs> But no, I, I don't, I, and I, and I think like I kind of like in my head was like, oh, well, this is just important and I'm an ally. Yeah, I'm, totally. I'm support, you know, this is a very important moment for our culture and that's why I'm and watching also it. And also true. And I think in my head I was like, props. maybe going to make out with someone. <laughs> <laughs> maybe I get to see two girls kissing. <laughs> oh my God. I love that story. <laughs> yeah, that was, that was, I mean that and like the, we, I mentioned the Jill Sobiel, I Kissed a Girl I Kissed video. a Girl. I loved the Jill Sobiel, I Kissed a Girl. I taped it, was... it on VHS off MTV when I was like 12. And again, like, I, you know, I was taping a lot of videos off MTV in those days. 
But I would watch that, and I remember getting nervous that my mom would catch me <gasps> watching the Jill Sobiel I oh Kissed a Girl video. And, like, I don't know why I was nervous. Like, my mom wouldn't care that I'm watching a video. Of course. But I would, like, rewind and watch it. There's, like, a scene... Like, the one, like, the lines is, like, and then I felt her hand above my knee, and, like, the girl, it's, like her hand, and I was just, like, <laughs> like, again, it's that, like, exhilaration followed by, like, your brain trying to be, like, shut it down. No, this is just, stop good. it out. This is good for society, and that's why I support this Oh, video. yeah, 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 <laughs> for sure. Um, yes, I was obsessed with the Jill Sobiel, I Kissed a Girl video, and, like, I guess was aware of Ellen coming out, but I was also so... So, 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 like, trying to stamp that feeling out actively that, like, I did my best to disidentify from all of that. And meanwhile, I had a crush on my best friend in middle school for, like, Ooh. the moment she hugged me there's outside of gym experience. class. Yeah, there's a common experience. That I'm actually glad Until, like, had. college. <laughs> so, I don't know. How many years is that? Wait, from middle school to college? From, like, middle school to my first oh, year of college. Oh, that is some good dyke All planning. through high school. 7th, 8th, 9th, 10th, 11th, and 12th grade. Uh, no, <laughs> I don't know. I feel like also my best friend from middle school could be like maybe ambiguous. She probably fucking knows. I don't, I'm not going to say her name. Oh, no. You know, <laughs> she's no need. No, no. Need. anyway. So I don't know. I don't know how that's either here nor there, but I guess like while simultaneously I was trying to be like, oh no, no, that's not me. I was like, trying to arrange sleepovers with my best friend and like spoon we would spoon each other and just wake up and like you know go about our business <laughs> wow yeah i wasn't spooning my best friends which is probably a good thing <laughs> i'm still best friends with them like, yeah exactly you're still best friends with them <laughs> i've like spooned one too many of my fucking best friends <laughs> Anyway, <laughs> that's just perhaps a story for a different day, and perhaps not. Yeah, there we go. Another 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 topic. This is great. We have we have so many topics. We have so to, much shit to cover. So much dyke shit to mine. Totally. Let's. Well, we're making a list. Um, and I guess sort of what a point I wanted to bring up is I don't think you can have an episode about origin stories and origin stories as a queer person in the world without also talking about your com- coming out story. Um, and how your coming out story fits into all of that and what it means to you. Um, and I think, I don't know, everybody has a really interesting coming out story. And it's interesting because whenever I'm on a date with somebody for the first time, if like the date is really going well, that's usually a question that gets asked a lot, like on my first or second date with a woman. I like, love what those is your. Right? Yeah, it's, it's so always interesting. It's a fun part of a date. It I totally really enjoy is. That, and yeah. it's like such a special part of queer culture, I think, because it's like such a shared narrative and one that's not really talked about a lot or that like you don't get to talk about a lot, but it's so sort of particular to who you are. And I think, you know, like what started you on this journey of being who you are in the world and being able to be out about that. Yeah. I think there people can have more than one coming out story because you come out to multiple people, you come out to yourself, you know, there's totally. So there there are a couple different coming out stories that I tell. I'd say I'd say I have a good like five stories that I can like really really bring to the center. Yeah, what about you? That's or, true. I have at least like one or two. I mean like I went to grad school and wrote my whole master's thesis about how I was in love with 
my manager at TJ Maxx, who was like this 50-year-old <laughs> straight woman, and I was like, you know, riddled with all of these like woes and various TJ Maxx also sounds like such a like a dyke name. Oh, oh my god! <laughs> like, like her name was TJ. Yeah, Maxx. Like this, this is my girlfriend TJ Maxx. I love that. <laughs> well, you know, maybe that like all played into a part of it. Like her name was not TJ Maxx, but there are some people who know what I'm talking about and know what her name is, and like to some extent, it doesn't even matter. But that was like my pre coming out story, and what like really <laughs> drove me. Yeah, that was my pre com. That was some pre com. That was some like very serious <laughs> problematic <laughs> pre-cum it's terrible um but if like it, that sort of was like the tidal wave on which I rode into the shore of like you know being like I have like gotten myself into such a fucking convoluted situation just like in all aspects of like the route I had taken because of that like became increasingly more twisted and off course and you know that like plowed me into coming out but how I really came out was like <laughs> you were plowed <laughs> yeah oh, oh my god I needed to be she was out. Jesus Christ <laughs> anyway like coming out was an accident Tell for me about me. getting plowed <sighs> That's, I mean, that's another. That's another episode. <laughs> this is like how I got plowed by like my own truth. Like my own truth, like plowed me out of like this fucking well of despair. And that's the truth. <laughs> that is the truth. But um, I was in a creative writing class and was like a super senior at the University of Rhode Island. Maybe we can bleep that out. Okay. Who knows? But um, I wrote this piece about being in love with a woman in my creative writing class without, like, even really realizing what I was doing or, like, being particularly conscious about it. And it got workshopped in the class. And my teacher um, was a lesbian. It's, like, a brilliant person who I, like, revered and still do. Wait, it was Charlotte. Wait, wait what's that character in The L Word? Played by Sandra Bernhardt. Oh, my fucking God. <laughs> Charlotte something. Was it Charlotte? I, um, I feel like it was Charlotte. I wish I remembered her last Sorry, week. I'm just picturing you as Jenny Schechter and your teacher as Sandra Bernhardt. I know. Unfortunately, <laughs> there's, like, a lot of overlap there. Maybe perhaps not, unfortunately. I mean, it's, like, a really interesting story, I guess. But I wrote this piece. Ultimately, it got workshopped. And people, like, for the first time said, like... some of her parts? Oh my god, I forgot what it was called. It was about that woman at TJ Maxx, though. It was like <laughs> a very TJ early Max. draft of what would become my master's thesis, and then like that's a whole other fucking let's story. Girls. Yeah, like let's girls, like girls, whatever you want to <laughs> call it. But it got workshopped, and it like came to the forefront that it was about a woman, and like that meant I was gay. And God bless the people in that class for like being so amazing and it being such a safe space, and you know, like really nurturing me through that experience. And from that, my professor. I was like, I think you're a great writer. You should apply to grad school in New York. I also have a student who graduated a year before who went to Northeastern for a master's in English and is now applying to MFA programs in Boston. You should like get in touch with her and like talk about like applying to MFA programs. And I wrote her an email which like evolved into a two and a half year relationship and like my first serious relationship. Um, but that was like my first coming out story. And then my second one was I was going to like visit my first ever girlfriend in Boston. It was around the holiday season and I was just like gone from home a whole lot, which like I come from a traditional like Italian Northeastern family, like for anybody to fly the nest around Christmas time is forbidden and like probably the worst offense you can commit. And like I was like leaving on 
New Year's Eve day for like the kajillionth time that week. And my mom like backed me into a corner and she was like, it was New Year's Day. She was stirring a pot of meatballs and she was like, <laughs> where have you been? You've abandoned this family. Oh. And I was like, I was at my girlfriend's and that's where I'm going back now. And like slammed the door and like yep, ran okay. out to my Subaru Forester <laughs> and like drove yes. the fuck back up to Boston and didn't come home for two days. And then like my mom sat me down and like we had this whole, not this whole talk. I think she just felt really bad. And I was so fortunate in this regard, but like felt really bad that it was something that like I had kept a secret for so long and weighed on me so heavily. And then my mom and dad told everyone in our family and we're so defensive. Like if anybody fucks with this or says anything like you're cut out kind of a thing, we're just like the first line of defense. Wow. And then my third part of this story, and then I'll let you go. And I'm sorry for taking up so much time, but this is one of my favorite parts. I like told Some my twin, parts. this is one of my favorite chapters of the sum of her parts um my twin brother and i were like in the basement we had both still lived at home we were like both on the brink of moving out and we were like smoking bongs and like drinking tiny um miller high lives like the little chubbies yeah Yeah, the ponies he had this um his own little fridge in his basement bedroom like covered with all these stickers and we always used to drink the little um beers out of there and he was like oh you're bringing your new boyfriend to my show because he figured i had a boyfriend because i'd just been like out of the house so much <laughs> doing my thing. You had that glow. I had that getting glow. Plowed. That getting loud glow. <laughs> Sorry, mom. <laughs> um, and I was like, not my new boyfriend. And he was like, what do you mean? You have a girlfriend? And I just started laughing. And he was like, said something about how he was so glad he never had to worry about like some dickhead guy being around. And then ran over to his bookshelf and grabbed me. Um, Katie Lang, Torch and Twang, the cassette tape, and just like bestowed it upon me like a gleaming oracle and was like, you're going to need this like in your travels. I love this. But why did your brother have that Katie Lang cassette tape? He's just like such an interesting person (laughs) and like a collector and connoisseur. Is your brother also a lesbian? Yeah, kind of. (laughs) No. He's just like... He likes a lot of things and is, like, an interesting person and, like, likes a lot of kitschy shit. Like, if you know him well, it's definitely not abnormal that he had a Katie Lang torch and Just, like, literally tape. sitting out that he could reach over well, he and had, grab. Well, he had, like, a library like, of, like, Here, vintage cassette You will need this on, on your journey. Yeah, and I still have it on my bookshelf to this day, and it's, like, one of my most very prized Oh, possessions. I love that. Yes. So that's, like, my three-prong coming out I, I love that and I think the, the the last prong is my favorite because it involves the Katie Lang of course yeah how could it not it was getting there eventually this was all just so yeah. I could bring up Katie Lang Every, everyone's coming out story involves a Katie Lang moment or like I'm a Melissa sure, Etheridge or yeah, well, the Indigo Girls well I think I mean this is an episode, a topic for another episode but I think all that stuff is generational yeah because uh, I was talking to, to Jack and um Who's Jack for the listeners? Oh, my my gay BFF. And you went to prom together. Yeah. Oh, we dated. He was he was my high Courtney school boyfriend. Courtney reminds us that. that they went to yeah. Prom thank you, together. Courtney. That's my uh, favorite part. I know. I forgot. No. <laughs> but uh, we didn't. <laughs> oh, I totally forgot what I was gonna say. Jack and I and Katie Lang and I don't remember something about a cassette tape. Your com- something about your coming out story. I don't know. Okay, I don't remember where I was going with that, but actually Jack does figure into my coming out story okay, a little bit. Okay, let's hear it. Because, uh, so he's, he's you know been my best friend since I was 16. So we dated very briefly in high school, 
and we did it was like two and a half months and it was very apparent that like yeah you know, we like kissed maybe three times in that whole you guys were like months. the worst beards we were like, that ever yeah could we be, were like, like horny teenagers but just not for each other totally <laughs> like i appreciate where you're coming from girl like yeah and when I met him, he was bi, and I thought that was really cool. You were, you know, you were in high school, and I'm like, he's so evolved, this bi, bi man. Bi school. And, yeah, and, and, and this was in the 90s, and it was kind of cool to be bi, so a lot of people identified as bi. Part of it was a lot of people not quite being ready to embrace being gay, and it totally. was safer for them to identify as bi. Some of them are actually bisexual, and some of them were experimenting straight kids. No doubt. And the real world was a thing then, and a lot of oh, people, yeah. the, when I think of like bi people in the 90s, I always think of MTV's The Real World and Road Rules. <laughs> Maybe because that was my first introduction, that's probably why, yeah. to bi, bi people in the so, 90s. So, so I met him, and he was like this beautiful guy that was bi, and I just thought he was so cool. And so we dated, it didn't work out, he started dating my best friend when I was away at summer camp, but we were still together, technically. Damn, I fucking hate when that happens. We worked it out. It was a very Brenda, Kelly, Dylan, love triangle type situation. Of course. I was a gay Brenda. Um, oh my god, I love that, gay Brenda. <laughs> yeah, basically. So anyway, fast forward a couple years, we're both in college, we hang out, we, we see each other for the first time in a couple months, and we I think we had just both turned 21 and so he brings over like a 30 rack of Coors Light oh no and we just like drink all of it basically and he comes out to me he's like listen I'm not <sighs> bi I'm gay and I had just slept with a woman for the first time like a week or two before and I was like I just slept with a woman for the first time and it was amazing and I was like I like girl I didn't I wasn't quite ready to say I'm gay yet but we uh-huh. basically came out to each other at like the same day. Oh my god, yeah. that's so beautiful and magical. Yeah, it was it was super cute. I I love I love it. I love that story. And uh, I I my favorite coming out stories for myself involve my friends. Um, before before I had done anything with the woman, before I knew I was gay, uh, my friend, one of my best friends, Mikey, forced me out of the closet. Not not like in a mean like I'm outing her way. Uh huh. But I had that experience that you noted at the beginning of of the episode where I would date guys or, like, make out with guys at a party and then the next day feel like, totally gross. Missing. Yeah, yeah totally. And I would be like, he's creepy. Every guy was creepy to me. It was just like, I made Still, out with him and I was like, actually, yeah. no, well, yeah. <laughs> it's bad out there. I but think we can all agree. I'd, like, get a crush on a guy and then if it were reciprocated and we, like, had our first kiss, I was just like, Ugh. And like, then I would like ew. I would do the same thing, and then I would like hate him from like the depths yeah. of like yeah. my and being. And I was like, he's a creep, gross, get away. And <laughs> yeah, and and I was like, what's wrong with me? And I was like, also like, all my friends have these boyfriends, and and like, they like them. Yeah, and I and I could never. I I just felt like I could never get a boyfriend because I was just like every crush I have. It was if, a if, sham. Yeah, I end, if I end up making You're out with really them, like if, if, it, if, it, if it's reciprocated and it starts to go anywhere, I immediately am grossed out. So I'm like, it's like kind of like internalizing it. I was like, oh, boys don't like me. I have such bad luck with men, blah, blah, blah. And Mikey says to me very gently, he goes, have you ever maybe thought about dating women? Because <laughs> <laughs> she knew. I mean, and that's who she is. She's very intuitive, and she's one of those people that kind of knows you better than you know yourself. And you probably were like, red is a big dyke. Probably. I, I, you could probably say that. <laughs> <laughs> and she was just like, yeah, have you, have, have you ever thought about How old were you? 
20. Oh, damn. Cool. And I, I stopped and I was like, um, like stuttering, well, uh, maybe, uh, I was like, I wouldn't be opposed, you know, if it happens, it happens. Like just trying to like play it off and be really breezy. Totally. Like, oh, you know, it's not something I think about. It's something I always think about. No, no, no. And, um. And I was like, you know, if it, if it, if the opportunity presented itself, I'd be open to it. And then that summer, the opportunity did present itself, and I was very Funny open how that to happens. it. Yes. And then, like a month or two after, or actually, no, it was, it was a little bit after that. Um, I had made out with a guy at a bar, and he was trying to invite himself back to my apartment, and no. I was not having it. Yeah. And I just remember he had like this really hairy chest. Oh no! And oh, I was ugh. telling him, I was like trying to like let him down easy and I was like I'm sorry but like I don't do dick on the first date I, like, <laughs> I can't even believe you said that no, that's I was insane like, no I was a 20 year old it was a Shrieking. different time. and so I like had made out with him like in like the parking lot and he was trying to invite himself home and I was like no and he's like no dick he's like just let me go down on you and he's like trying to like he was like trying to come home with me and like like trying to entice me by saying he would like give me oral sex and cool. I was like Pictured his hairy chest. What was like, his in name? Bed Jason? No. Um, I'm not going to say his name. Okay, cool. But it was a dude name. Great. Um, <laughs> and I just like, when he was trying to to entice me, he, I just pictured his like super to hairy chest me. like in bed with me. And I was like, Ugh. no, no, I never want this. I never want this. I never want to do this ever, 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 ever again. And I called Mikey on the way home and told her. And I was like, I'm just gay. I'm just super gay. I'm super, super, super oh gay. Oh my god, Dana. Yes. Love. Yeah. And she I wanna just play like in the arms of an angel. <laughs> <laughs> and Mikey was like, Great. Come up next weekend. My roommate's gay. We're gonna go to a club in the city. Oh, and so yes. I did and we went to the club in the city and I ended up making out with her roommate that night and we she was my first girlfriend. We dated for like a year and a half. Amazing. So that's that's another one of my favorite coming out that's stories. That's an incredible coming Because it was like story. all just happened where Mikey was like, you're gay. And I was like, I am gay. And she's like, come date my roommate. And I was like, okay. <laughs> oh my God. And I love Mikey so much. Yeah, it's solid friends. Solid friends. <laughs> well, that's perfectly amazing. Well, you know what? I feel like we're not going to be able to end on a note that's like higher and cuter than that. So... <laughs> This has been our first episode of Lesbians Are Miracles. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. We have so much more stellar content and amazing conversations and really special guests coming up for you guys. We're so happy to be here with you. Tell your friends. If your mom has ever met me and Jill and found us charming, like tell her to tune <laughs> yeah, in. Yeah, tell all your cute friends. No. <laughs> if you know anyone, we're both single. Um, so yeah, thank you so much. This has been a blast and stay tuned for more. Until next time. All right, goodbye. Yep, we're gay.